0: Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. I'm bringing a very special guest who I've waited quite a while to ask to be on this podcast, but we have the wonderful Laura Krause with us. Laura, will you just introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, family, and one fun fact.
1: Yeah, I'm Laura Krause. Um, I am a wife of Ken, and we have six children, ages 18 to 7. We have five boys, one girl. And I gave a big chunk of my life to um, homeschooling them and staying at home with them. And then we transitioned to a public school. And so when we transitioned the kids out of the home, um, I prayed a lot about what to do next with my time. And an opportunity opened up for me to disciple college students. So Jenny and I work together, and we pray and minister to college students. So it's super fun. Life giving fact or a fun fact about me? Um, I, I mean, it can
0: be life giving. That's fine. Well, <laughs> maybe
1: <laughs> maybe this will be
0: life giving. I don't know. Our span
1: I grew up traveling. I grew up driving all over the United States or flying all over. My dad was in the military. Um, And then he was a pilot for a local airline, and so, well, also an international airline. And so that gave us flying benefits. So we traveled a lot, and when I became a parent, that was just a high value to me, to travel with the kids. So my kids had not moved at all like I moved, but I had a goal of bringing them to 48 states before they graduated high school. And we just finished that goal this summer. So I finished it a little earlier than I thought. But I had our first graduate this summer, and so I felt like I needed to get it in for him, and Mm -hmm. once I got it in for him, I thought, I think I'll just complete it for everybody. So we visited all 48 states, took us 12 years to reach that goal, and every kid now has been to it. So you might be saying, how did the seven-year-old get them all in? Well, the seven-year-old. That's
0: what I was going to say. I was like, does the seven-year-old remember all of them? No, the
1: seven-year-old doesn't. And the seven-year-old um, had some repeats. So a few of them were repeats. But I, okay. I got the seven-year-old on track with everybody else. And once mm-hmm. I got the seven-year-old on track, I thought, let's just finish the goal. Let's just do it. So now we, <laughs> now we need a new goal. I don't know what <laughs> we'll do, but. Maybe the other two. I, I the kids keep saying what about Alaska and Hawaii and mm-hmm. I say if you want to pay for Hawaii you can and
0: they're like, no. Alaska <laughs>
1: is tempting to do a drive to Alaska mm-hmm. so very tempting so we'll see I'm I'm chewing on that yeah I think that would be a whole summer commitment at least a month commitment yeah. if we did Alaska because you don't want to turn around yeah and you, come home you have right to drive
0: away. through Canada and, yeah yeah you're gonna stay for a little bit so. Yeah. We'll see. And show them your old stomping grounds. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Laura, what have you been set free from? Take us through the story. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I, I really love... Um, I was sharing um, with someone recently. I have a clear perspective on how to view sin in the context of marriage and family, but also in the context of just your friendships and those that you relate with. We had um, some friends come over. This is years ago, but we had some friends come over and they were a young couple. They'd only been married about a year and they were really struggling because their mentors had recently announced that the husband had engaged in some form of infidelity and it was absolutely devastating to this young couple. And they came over to our house to have us pray for them and encourage them. And as I pressed in to like what they were feeling, it was really the guy that broke down and he said, if this mentoring couple of ours, who I loved and cherished and respected so much, if they couldn't um, walk in purity and fidelity to one another, how in the world can I ever dream of that? Now remember, he's a he's a young married man. And so he has a young Christian married man. So he has every ambition in his mind of being faithful to his wife mm-hmm. and um, wanting to do everything in his par- power to walk in faithfulness to her. And when his hero, so to speak, falls... It left him trembling, wondering if he as well would make the same mm-hmm. mistake. So it broke my heart. Now, his their mentors happened to also be some of our very good friends. And um, I had also been a pro- processing that journey of these mentors as well and how it was impacting me. And something came really clear to me. And it was when we gathered around this young couple and we said, can we just pray for you? Because particularly one of them was quite broken hearted. We gathered around him and we prayed and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and I'll call him John. His name is not John, but I said, <laughs> John, your goal in marriage is to not build a sin proof marriage. Because if you're desiring to build a sin-proof marriage, you will fail. You will fail. Your goal is to build such a safe place in marriage so that if failure happens on either of your parts, you have such a safe landing ground that you can share your vulnerability and your weakness with your spouse. So it was really powerful, Jenny. I reframed in that moment as I was praying for him, also how I viewed failure from there going mm-hmm. forward. And this is quite a while ago, but I everything shifted in my mind. I thought our, our goal as married couples is to not build perfection because there is only one perfect man and that was Jesus. We should never be aiming for perfection. Now, we don't want to cultivate sin in our life. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But if your aim is perfection, you will be left in want constantly because you cannot live a perfect life. Yeah. But if your aim is building trust, security, safety, honesty, um, sincerity, then you can actively build that, and it puts you on the offensive rather than on the defensive in your marriage. You are offensively preparing For whatever comes your way, you can be productive in preparing for that. You can engage in it. Versus if you're just afraid of sin, you're completely on the defensive and you're living in fear. Mm -hmm. And so one actually gives you hope and engagement and shows you what to do in productivity and building a marriage. And one puts you in anxiety and fear and stress.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So to summarize... Am I getting this right when you're saying like we want to be so secure in the Lord and then bring that love to the people around us, like our friends, our spouse, mm-hmm. our kids, whatever it may be, that when sin comes, it's not something that's going to tear us down or it's not something that's going to completely uproot us right. because our root is in Christ.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, our root has never been put in sinlessness. No. It, yeah. it, it, Ephesians says that we are rooted and established in love. Mm-hmm. And so our roots in Christ have nothing to do with our perfection or anything we've done or not yeah. done. Our roots in Christ are solely based on what he's done. So there's great freedom for failure in our walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, it's actually built into him. One of my favorite words in Hebrew is hesed. And hesed is translated as unfailing love or steadfast love but the direct translation of what hased means is a love that is not based on fidelity but based on mercy so when you hear hesed, when you hear unfailing love the steadfast love of the lord never ceases what you're hearing is built into God's relationship with us is great capacity to cover our failures which mm-hmm. we know at the cross mm-hmm. it's it's inbred in our our covenant relationship with him therefore it should also be in our relationship with each other that we don't have strict requirements of perfection we have great grace and great mercy. I was just reading Mm -hmm. this morning in um, Matthew five, that blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Mm -hmm. It is a blessed place to give one another mercy and have a merciful relationship. So it really changed how I viewed security in marriage and and also then how I wanted to raise our kids that we do not have to be afraid of sin. Mm -hmm. We don't cultivate sin, we don't seek to have sin, but we know what to do when we sin.
0: Yeah. 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 Instead of just shoving it down. Yes. Like, oh, shame. I have to hide it. Right. Yeah. That's really powerful. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, Am I living in fear of sin? How could they recognize if they're living in fear of sin or not?
1: I think fear, I think you know when you're afraid. When you, when the thought of someone, sinning around you either your spouse or what if my kid or what if my husband Mm. and he creates such fear and anxiety in your soul that's fearing it and I think Mm. one of my favorite verses is perfect love casts out fear Mm. Uh, because fear has to do with punishment so so knowing sometimes just knowing that doesn't always solve it, but then I go back to my relationship with Christ. What does Jesus do with me when I sin? How does he deal with me? Yeah. And maybe you're not realizing how mercifully kind and restorative the cross is and maybe you need to be reminded of that, that mm. he deals gently with those uh who who run away. We were just talking last night with children in a kids' class I was part of we spent a lot of time studying sheeps and shepherds and we talked about how Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one. And the kids really picked up on the fact that he carries the one back on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Jesus is very kind with uh, a repentant broken heart. He's very kind when he deals with us in our struggle.
0: Mm-hmm. So. He's a good shepherd. Yes. In what ways has this impacted how you parent now? That
1: has been really huge for me. As our kids got older, so I mentioned we had six kids, and we are raising our children in a generation where everybody has the internet and all options in their pocket on their telephone, so mm-hmm. they can have they can have exposure to um, anything. Anything yeah. at such a high level so quickly way quicker than any of us ever had when we were younger and so well i'm 45 so (laughs) i I did not have that when i was younger um so as a loving christian mother my thought was no internet and no phones ever in our house Mm -hmm. and so we didn't have tvs and we didn't have um we had the internet but it was like so highly managed and i myself wouldn't try to use it again this is a while ago. Uh, I tried to li- so limit and protect what they could potentially be exposed to, and so I subtly, as time went on, realized I was acting entirely out of fear. Mm-hmm. I was not fearing the Lord, I was fearing sin and the damage that it could do and i was and I realized that I was actually elevating the power of sin over the power of God and his redemption. Mm. And so when you're so afraid of, for me, I was so afraid of my children being exposed to pornography and and, and the things that could come through the phone and and I saw how damaging it was. So I was just going to great lengths to not have phones. Now the problem that I realized really quickly, we had been youth pastors a couple decades ago and I realized I was reproducing something that I did not want to, that I had seen mm. in some of the youth that we had worked in. and What I was reproducing was, you're eliminating all these things from your home, and you're assuming that at 18, your child will go out and um, and know how to manage all these things if they've never been exposed to them in the home. And that was super eye-opening, I realized mm. if they had never had a phone they wouldn't have been strengthened by their own will and working with the lord and growing in maturity and growing in self-control and Mm self-discipline if i constantly controlled it and i realized the moment our children are going to go out the door of course they're going to get a phone our culture uses phones and if they had never ever ever had a phone in their pocket they would have never developed any internal system on how to handle sin how to handle when something pops up on your phone if they've Mm -hmm. never had it and i thought I'm playing the wrong game here. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do, like uh I don't need to be so fearful. I need to give them the skills, the grace, the mercy under our own roof to to say, I don't want you to sin, but if you sin, here is your way out. Here's how mm-hmm. you talk to the Lord. Or here's how you the filters you could put on your phone, you can choose to put on your phone that will help you. So I realized being afraid of sin was actually elevating sin. It was, I was almost worshiping it. I was almost making it such an idol. And the Lord was like, okay, so what if your kids get exposed to pornography? They have they have someone who can forgive them. They have someone that mm-hmm. can wash them. They have someone that can redeem them mm-hmm. because um, redemption is better than perfection we are not aiming for perfection we're not aiming for a perfect marriage we're not aiming for perfect parenting we're aiming for redeemed people who know that when they sin they have an advocate in heaven they have a father yeah. that will cleanse them
0: yeah i think it's psalm 130 verse 7 it says like put your hope in the lord because he brings a bunt." no he brings redemption in abundance. Yeah. I love that verse. Yeah. Um, Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. He's,
1: he's slow to get angry. He's abounding in steadfast love and mercy. Psalm 145. Mm-hmm. How, how much more powerful that you and your spouse or you, or your, your children are trained quickly to run to the throne of grace to find help in their hour of need. If yeah. there's never been an hour to need, then they won't run boldly to the throne of grace to find that help. Yeah. So how cool if you can establish a culture of grace, a culture of forgiveness, a culture of freedom in your home, mm-hmm. that again, you're not licensing them to sin, but you're training them to run boldly to the throne of grace when yeah. something happens. Jesus's love is far more powerful than fear. Mm-hmm. And his forgiveness is far more powerful than than uh, a, a sin that we could do. It really is. Mm-hmm. His love actually will never fail. It's unfailing love versus... Um, sin that you think can do so much irrecoverable damage that's actually why we have the cross
0: yeah i bet you're also well i know you're also preventing this feeling in your kids like oh i've i've sinned and now my mom is going to be so um this is going to kill her this Mm -hmm. is going to like really do her in because if they could see that fear of sin in your life already right they would be like, oh, I can't. It would just destroy her if right. I told her this. But they don't feel that because right. you don't have that fear. Right. Yeah. I, I
1: have tried to affirm, you know, I say our daughter's young, so um, she's not sexually active yet. But as someday, Lord willing, she'll get married and have kids. But I have said to her many times, if things don't go as planned
0: mm-hmm.
1: five, ten years from now, You never have to be afraid to talk to your father and I. You never have to be afraid to say, I have a baby. I said, I will help you. Like, we try to preempt it. We try to say to her, that's what we say to her, to our boys, we try to say, even when they were little, when you find pornography, when you get exposed to pornography, run to us. We will help you. We will pray with you. We will love Mm -hmm. on you. Our instinct when we sin is to go hide in shame, but if there is a freedom of failure in our home, then um, then my hope is that they will know that they don't have to hide, that they have an advocate mm-hmm. in heaven that they can run to.
0: Yeah. So what if someone is hearing this and they're like, okay, I'm getting it, but what is the balance between like, I'm not afraid right. of sin, but yet I don't want to like accidentally allow it into my life or directly run into it. What's right. How do you do that?
1: I I think spending time with the Lord will make you stronger in him. It will make you want to resist sin. Mm -hmm. So I, I I trust and I pray and I hope that we cultivate a love of God that it makes you say I really don't want this I don't want this in my life yeah. I actually feel dirty I feel disgusting so you don't want to give a license to it The verse that comes to me is Romans six where where Paul says Well what shall we say then Shall we go on continuing to sin so that grace may abound By no means mm-hmm. you That's not what you you're I mean, We're not saying go on sinning. We're saying, if you do, and I would say, as John said in 1 John, when you do, just know you have an advocate. I, you don't want to give a license to sin. I just know that it will happen. And if it happens in your life, when it happens in your life, and it happens in your marriage, when it happens in your home, you have an advocate in heaven.
0: Mm. Yeah, so it's like turning your heart towards God so that the things of this world aren't even attractive to you. Right. So it just wouldn't be like, well, I know what that leads to. I don't want it. Yeah. Right. It leads to
1: enslavement. It Mm -hmm. leads to, yeah. Oh, I, I sometimes pray over our kids that they will sin just enough that it will be so vile feeling that it will actually give them such a sour taste in their mouth. They will not go back to it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that
0: you're praying that they would know the
1: truth. Yes. Yeah. I'm not asking that they (laughs) sin. I should, let me clarify that. I'm not (laughs) praying that they sin. I'm just saying when they do that, my prayer is that none of them will get in strong, addictive behaviors. And some people Mm -hmm. feel like they have to like touch the hot oven to verify that it's hot. And I get that. And so my prayer is like, okay, let it just be the tip of their finger that touches the hot oven and verify that was hot. I never want to go back to there again versus Mm -hmm. their whole body laying on top of the oven (laughs) and they ignite it on fire. So Yeah. 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 I've stolen little tiny things before. I stole a sucker from my best friend in fourth grade and I have tried to make it right. I still can't find them, but I know how horrendously awful it felt. Mm -hmm. I never want to steal ever again. Like that was not worth it to me. And that's what I'm saying that, Mm -hmm. that I know they're going to taste of it. I know we will taste of it, but may we see the destruction of it. May we see, um, the separation that it causes the, uh, in your healthy, rela- in your relationships, uh, you feel alienated from God when you send, when you feel that may it give us a taste that Lord, help me not go back to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So help it. Yeah. yeah. I hope you find that friend by the way. <laughs> so, um, what would you say for someone who isn't married, doesn't have kids? How does this apply to them as well?
1: You know, it was interesting. I was talking to the college students yesterday and I was saying, we were talking in context of marriage where if your spouse, I close all of my classes with give me questions and I, they write questions in a hat and then I pull the questions out and answer them at the end so they're anonymous. And the questions are just getting better and better each <laughs> week that goes. It's kind of becoming our favorite time. And one of the questions was, how have you and your husband dealt with pornography or dealt with sexual sin in your marriage? And one of the things mm-hmm. I said to them is I said, you're not trying to... Um, to build a marriage free from all of that. So I, you're building a marriage that's safe, that if something happens, I have a safe place to land. I have a safe person to confess to. And I said, the way you can kind of frame that in your head is with your friend. If your friend comes to you, your peer, your mm-hmm. girlfriend or your guy friend, if you're a guy, and is like, dude, I was looking at pornography, whatever you're not gonna alienate them and shame them for a week. You don't treat friends like that in the mm-hmm. same way you wouldn't do that with a spouse. So to answer your question, I think, I think one, if, if you aren't married and you don't have kids, just viewing your relationship with enormous grace. We have grace towards one mm-hmm. another. We have grace to be in a process of sanctification in all of our lives. We're all in a process of being transformed into the image of Christ. And so when your friend struggles in an area, you pour grace on them in the same way that you yourself would want grace poured on you. But yeah. then sharing, applying that to even your closest relationships like your marriages and your, and yeah. your parenting situations as well.
0: Yeah. That's great preparation. because let's say you're single now and then you get married later. If you're not like pouring grace into your friendships now, right. your marriage is going to be so much harder. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. It's I'll go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Um blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy and it choked me up this morning when I was talking to the kids that giving someone mercy is not giving them what they deserve we all deserve punishment but we were given great mercy at the cross and I think when you know that for yourself you're so ready to give it to everybody else when you know you had a debt you could not pay and that Jesus paid it for you and gave you extraordinary mercy Mm -hmm. and did not give you what you deserved. when you sit in that then great gratitude comes up and you you just readily give it to other people. You don't Mm -hmm. um, hold them to a standard that they can't keep. You give them mercy as well.
0: Yeah. Would you recommend any resources on this topic if someone wants to dive deeper?
1: Yes, one of my absolute favorite books that I read on this topic was If Jesus Were a Parent by Hal Perkins. And Hal and his wife raised four children But their first three were triplets. And when they had the triplets, they had the conclusion that we need to get this right. And so because we're going to do it times three right away. There's no like practice child. We have triplets. So they sought the Lord and they came up with such a grace filled home on how to love their children into adulthood. So not just Mm -hmm. keeping them little, but loving them and training them unto adulthood. And so I was so heavily discipled by that book. There's also a little film that you that mm-hmm. is available called um, I didn't write oh heart of a man
0: oh heart of man yes
1: yes mm-hmm. heart of man heart of man uh-huh. and that it has a profound picture of Jesus's great grace and kindness and mercy mm-hmm. um, for when we sin. Um, what it looks like to be restored to the father. And it gives a really powerful picture of what the father's heart would be towards his children.
0: Yeah. I think, I feel like I would refer to that movie as a documentary in some ways. It's like testimonies. So a lot of real people telling their real life testimonies. And then also an illustrative version of the right. prodigal son type thing
1: intermingled with the testimony yeah, it's so
0: just it, beautiful i can't describe it it,
1: it makes it so potent though because i yeah. think if you just sat down and watch the movie you're like this is cute and powerful but it's intermingled with people weeping sharing the story mm-hmm. of of great brokenness and great sin and how the father rescued them and brought brought enormous healing to them Mm-hmm. Intermingled back and forth with scenes
0: of the prodigal son. It's yeah. it's very powerful. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, if you could give any final encouragements for someone listening, if you just want them to leave with one final encouragement from you, what would it be?
1: I would the, right away the verse that comes in my head is first John two one. And it's John saying, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So I just love that language that John's saying, look, I'm not encouraging you to sin. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, you know, say to you, I walk in a life of sin just so that you can be forgiven more. He says, I'm not writing, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But then the next line is, but you will, (laughs) but If anyone does, know that you have an advocate. You have an advocate with your father. And the way he demonstrated his advocacy for you is through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. Know that you have someone that loves you, that is not disgusted by you, and um, gladly went to the cross for you and would do it again. It was his choice. He said, no one took my life from me. I laid it down of my own accord. Mm -hmm. So I just love that word, that we have an advocate
0: that loves us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Laura, for being our guest. Really paid off. I'm glad we waited. Yeah. Because actually, you know what's cool is that, um, so we talked about this topic a couple weeks ago, maybe two, three three weeks ago. And then we were like, okay, planning on maybe like later that week or something to record. Then... You got sick. We couldn't. Um, But then in that week leading up to now, when we recorded, so many sermons were like about this topic. Oh, that's awesome. Speaking to me. And I was like, what the,
1: what is going on?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it was really cool how God just knitted it together. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing your wisdom experience.
1: Thank you, Jenny. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us.